Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful future exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life, and for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topic and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now here's your host, Julie Keys. Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the podcast show for business owners. Today, we're interviewing a reputable, successful business attorney with a prominent national firm whose focus is on privately held companies in the Twin Cities. But before we do that, I would like to tell you about my business transition readiness program for business owners. The next start date is September 25th. I would love to have you join me. We're running a fall special, so check this out. Do you know what it means to be transition ready? Does the thought of your future business exit bring on feelings of anxiety? If so, you are not alone. In the Business Transition Readiness Program, you'll find the answers to these questions and many more. According to award-winning certified exit planner Julie Keys, it takes at least five years to prepare an owner and a business for a future exit. The Business Transition Readiness Program will help you unpack the complexities of exit and transition planning, shed light on the unknowns, and help prepare you and your business to exit on your own terms and not someone else's. You can get more info and register for upcoming programs at poisedforexit.com. Just click on Owner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here today with Chris Cuneo, attorney with Ballard Spire in the Twin Cities. Chris, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. I've been waiting for this day for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks, Julie. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, for sure. There's uh, so much that we can talk about today, and... You know, you and I have known each other for a long time. You've worked with a lot of my clients. We've collaborated together in a lot of different capacities over the years. And um, so it's going to be tough to condense into just a few questions. But I think that, in fact, I know that um, the content that you're going to deliver today and the advice that you're going to dispense is going to be very valuable for our listeners. So that's why I'm so excited to have you here. I've always really believed in... Um, the importance of having a good client-attorney relationship and not necessarily looking at your attorney relationship as something you know, just to be a transaction, but actually having that advisory relationship. And I know that that's what you stand for. So um, before we get into that, I would like to just have you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your life and how you got to be a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that would take more than 20 minutes, and it's a long and meandering path. <laughs> but uh, when when I became a lawyer, I, actually, during the time that I've been a lawyer, I've done quite a few things, starting from being a public defender to oh. primarily being a litigator, a civil litigator when I went into private practice, uh, and then evolving from there into a transactional lawyer. But I, I think that you know part of that relationship driven view of what being a lawyer is and how you go about helping people in transactional settings is influenced pretty heavily by experience as a, as a litigator. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, most of what I do, almost all of what I do is problem solving. So it's problem solving in a different context, but a lot of it is risk management and problem avoidance and and getting used to dealing with people and being able to use litigation as a tool as opposed to Something that you're either too, too scared of, or shouldn't, or are not scared enough of. 
mm. uh, in terms of understanding what it can mean to your business and to you. Yeah. Um, so I've been with Linguist and Venom previously, and then we merged into Ballard Spire um, in 2018. Mm. So I've been continuously there since 2005, which mm. is very stable for me. Mm-hmm. And I can see how being a former litigator has really helped you and set you up uh, to be a good business advisor, right? Not just uh, legal counsel, but a good advisor to your clients because you've seen so much, like you said, and your experiences have really shaped how you help protect your clients from themselves sometimes, right? No, I think that's true. And, you know, when you're in those intense situations, you tend to get to know people pretty well. Mm -hmm. And I treasure a lot of longstanding relationships but the ability to actually understand owners of businesses and and their specific needs and wants and, God forbid, foibles mm-hmm. um, is critical mm-hmm. to being able to give them good advice. Because I, I think you you need to understand what pe- what what really drives them and what they really want to accomplish. Sometimes you'll know it better than they will, mm-hmm. and and to be able to have that rapport and that trust so that you know you can tell them from time to time that's the stupidest damn thing i've ever heard in my life (laughs) and be able to get away with it i mean that's critical to Mm -hmm. the to the ability to actually provide value in relationships and having gone through battles together obviously helps establish that trust Mm -hmm. yes well, so I just wanted to share really quick the title that that you chose for the show today because it's an interesting um, kind of segue into the next question. The title that you chose is Gandalf or Gollum, the role of your business attorney in the transition planning process. And for those of us who are Lord of the Rings fans like me, I was t- super intrigued. So I want to know why you chose that <laughs> title. <laughs> that is Two, there's probably three reasons. Okay. One is the, the the role of a business attorney in the transition planning process. That part of it is is intended to tie to your place for exit book that I you know and and to the subject matter of the podcast because there's a lot of things that a business attorney will do in in terms of representing companies and their owners for a period of years, but um, a lot of that kind of gets synthesized and compacted into the transition planning mm-hmm. uh, part of the overall life of a business. And, and so, you know, in order to be able to take focus and compact thoughts, uh, uh, you know, staying in the transition planning mode, I think is important. The second reason is that, and we covered this a little bit already, is that I view a business attorney um, as being a species of guide mm-hmm. to the business owner. And so the, the Gandalf and Gollum illusions relate to that role, that <laughs> you can be a Gandalf guide, which is kind of what you aspire to, yeah, and be able to lead in, in a positive way. Or you can be a Gollum guide, which, uh, you know, may have some technical attributes, but 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 really doesn't accomplish the the more holistic purposes that attorneys ought to. Yeah. And the third reason is just because Gollum abuses me. Every time I think <laughs> about him, I smile. <laughs> My precious. Yeah, right. <laughs> he wasn't necessarily much of a guide. 
<laughs> right. Going down the wrong path. Let's put well, it that way. way. He's, he's guiding with respect to the red anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, he had his sights on other things. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about forming a team, a professional qualified team of advisors, and where an attorney fits into that process. What would you say is the most important role in that as we're talking about transition planning? So let me start by saying when we're talking about attorneys, I'm going to focus primarily on business attorneys. Yes. Um, because estate planning attorneys have a role, but I kind yes. of lump them with financial advisors. Sure. Yeah, and get that accomplished. And tax attorneys can have a big role as well, but mm-hmm. that I kind of lump with the accountant role. Sure. So, uh, you know, business attorney, I think, operates in, in two different areas when, when, when getting involved with teams in the transition planning process. One is hopefully to be involved in the in crafting the kind of overarching transition strategy, um, which sometimes means dragging information out of the owner and then you know, using the relationship to uncover what the real goals and needs are of the owners, which are is more than financial and it's more than just business. But uh, again, it's it, it's problem solving. You know, it's like, okay, if you're going to solve a problem, you first have to have a plan. You have to figure out what you want to accomplish, and then you have to work with others to try to figure out, okay, how to best do that. And and that's where, you know, the ability to form relationships with people like you is important for business attorneys because, you know, you, you need to be trusted. You need to, to know how other people operate, and you need to be able to work with them to work with the owner to actually provide that role of helping them craft a plan that works well. And the second part is the actual implementation of that business transition plan. Um, and that's that's probably um, less team-oriented. It's, you know, it, it's your part of the overall plan, but it's your part reported back and fitted into the plan. So you need to be able to work cooperatively and collaboratively with the other team members and that tends to be doubly true of the accountants and the and sometimes the financial planners, mm-hmm. and for sure it's true of the of the business consultants and exit planners who are involved in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, many times quarterbacking it. Yeah, whoever is quarterbacking it, but it but um, you know, I, like I said in a recording yesterday, I was um, cutting some video yesterday just about my book and. And the different chapters and the different stories and the different lessons in it. Um, and one of them was, of course, choosing the right team of advisors, which is kind of what we're talking about right now and how important it is to understand that it doesn't um, – there's no way that one advisor has all the answers. But collectively, I think if you have a really good team and you're covering all the bases, you can get pretty close to having all the answers. And what a business owner really needs is to know that their advisors have got their back, which I know that you do in the work that you do with your clients, um, because I've seen it, I've witnessed it, and um, I admire it a lot. So one of the best ways for business owners to make good use of their attorney relationship, their business attorney relationship, tell me about um, some of the strategies, like you talked about implementing the plan, maybe just, um, you know, expand on that a little bit. On the strategic side, Mm -hmm. um, it's, I think it important for, uh, for the business attorney member of the team to have some transactional experience because mm-hmm. going back to the Gandalf side of the, yeah, of the right. equation, you know, you are a guide, you know, you, you are fulfilling a role as somebody who has 
um, been through transactions that, for the most part, owners have not. Exactly. You know, this is the biggest deal of their lives. Right. Uh, financially mm-hmm. and emotionally. Yes. Um, and and they're, most business owners are very, very good at what they do, but they've never been in this world before. Mm-hmm. They don't have any idea of what to expect. And most importantly, they don't often have a great idea of what a buyer would expect from their business. So if you have transactional experience and you can, you know, you can both help the business position for successful exit and the owner's position for successful exit um, and be able to stay involved throughout the transactional process, mm-hmm. um, that I think is a, a super benefit both in terms of making the transaction go easier because you've done the due diligence kinds of work beforehand. Well, in but that, I think, yeah, I guess, I guess I was going to just say, could we just talk about, you know, the importance of actually establishing that relationship well in advance of the transaction, like, so that you can anticipate and be proactive instead of reactive or, I mean, how, how often does that happen to you? <laughs> well, you know, fortunately it happens pretty often. But but that's I think in part a, a function of of how the Ballard owner managed businesses team tries to work strategically mm-hmm. what we're trying to do. Sure. Because for the most part, um, the business unit with which I'm involved inside Ballard is aimed at the lower middle market. Yes. Which has needs that are different from you know, the, the businesses that might be doing a hundred million and more per year because mm-hmm. they'll have seasoned executives and they'll have access to specialized information. And in lawyers, sometimes they need a, a different skill set. I mean, they may be looking for people who have deep specialization in one particular area. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the lower middle market, you know, companies that might be in the Five million to uh, hundred million, technically, definitionally, but mm-hmm. you know these companies that are more often in the five to fifty or five to seventy-five million annual revenue mm-hmm. have leadership experience, but it, but it may be uneven. Sure. Um, so they don't have the bench to draw from, and they and from a lawyer, they tend to need breadth of experience. Yes. They need to have people who who are being trained to and who see importance in being able to kind of, it's almost like a family practitioner as opposed to an yep. interventional cardiologist. Right. I was going to just know? say that you're more general than you are um, super specific on the, on the NAT, right? Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, so it's a horizontal skill set mm-hmm. um, and an interpersonal skill set, mm-hmm. but, but you can train yourself to do that. And I think, Business attorneys need to train themselves to do that, to be good problem solvers yes, um, and, and good planners and good understanders of both what, the, what drives the business and what drives the owner of the business so that you can respond to those, to, to those dynamics mm-hmm. and be able to, to, to do the kind of to, – to be able to deliver the kinds of services that you want to be able to deliver – and that's true also in the transition planning process. 
I think, too, for business owners to establish that trust with their lawyer like you were talking about, it really takes, like you just said, the lawyer to be able to be understanding and to be a good listener. So those interpersonal skills really do establish the rapport and establish the relationship. And it kind of, um, you know, echoes that that old saying that goes, a, a business owner doesn't really care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And, you know, some people might think, well, that's super sappy. And it is kind of <laughs> sappy, <laughs> but, you know, but it's true, dang it. Yeah, it's just a different way to, to iterate the, the same message. So um, from a tactical um, or planning and of um, an implementation perspective, Let's talk about how business owners should really be working with their attorneys. I say early and often, um, you know, regular check-ins. How, what, what, like you were talking a little bit about Ballard and their strategy. Uh, tell us about, you know, your perspective. What do you say about that? Well, I mean, I echo your sentiments over and over again. <laughs> because cause, cause this whole concept of transition planning is, is something that you ought to be doing from day one. You know, you're always transition planning because yes. what you're trying to do is build value in your business. The the mm-hmm. concept of transition planning as, as a term that now has currency is really compacting the things that you are intuitively doing during the entire life of your business yes. into a shorter time frame. And the reason for the shorter time frame is that now you're taking kind of an outside-in look at your business and saying, okay, what's a buyer going to look look for? What what are the characteristics that really drive value in my business? Because now, within a short period of time, I want to plan for a harvest event, and therefore I want to make sure that my business looks right and will be perceived correctly by potential buyers of that business. So the, the three words – my mantra words are build transferable value mm-hmm. and transferable value to me is value in a business that can be handed off mm-hmm. that you're selling financial performance in the end you're selling a basket of assets that delivers financial performance mm-hmm. you're right now the owner that that's able to achieve that financial performance but what people are paying for is the bet that that, that this business with with these characteristics can deliver the same or better financial performance under different ownership. And that's that's a concept that's hard, especially for entrepreneurs. Yes. Because everything drives through them and they mm-hmm. want to be in control of everything and who else can do things better than they can. And most of the time uh, there's that's true, or at least primarily true, but it's a little bit inconsistent with the concept of transferable value. Yes. And that's why you need enough time to be able to, you know, in some cases, it's it's kind of morphing the owner from being the entrepreneur that drives the business to being more of a leader, you know, kind of going through the management stage to the leadership stage to be able to to unbundle himself or herself from the center of operations and recognize the benefits of being able to 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 build assets and to manage risk in a way that somebody else could step in mm-hmm. and operate that business I think as that well or better. In the in the work I think too that you do and the work that I do, even though we do different things, I think that we're both after that same goal in that we are trying to help the business owner shift their mindset. 
um, from from being the the you know the chief to actually you know stepping aside and 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 making it be more transferable and less less about them. So I love that build transferable value. And when we talk about transition, uh, we're not just talking about exit planning. I think that sometimes people get that confused and they think that they're the same thing, but really, when you talk about an exit, it's a form of a transition. There's all kinds of transitions, right? Like you said, get ready in the very beginning for that transition because a transition could mean taking on a partner, buying out a partner, selling some shares to private equity, selling some shares to a family member. Those are all forms of transition, even acquiring another business, right? Um, and so, so we have to be thinking about those and like being uh, set up for that. Well, we're, we're getting close to the end here, but I did want to ask one more question. And I wanted to talk about the most important attributes that you see um, would be most valuable, not just to the business owner, but also uh, on a transition team. It, so it, it's some of what we talked about just a second ago mm-hmm. in terms of caring. Mm-hmm. So the number one, I think, is technical quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's mandatory. I mean, because yeah. c- in order for a team to work, the team members have to have trust in one another. Right. So, you know, it's kind of a, a, a an initial selector. You don't want somebody who doesn't have the bandwidth or the capability to be able to fulfill mm-hmm. a team function. But technical quality really isn't enough. Gollum may be technically proficient, but <laughs> nobody wants to work with them. <laughs> right. So then you go to, okay, what's your, what's the service orientation of the people on the team? Because, mm-hmm. I, you know, you and I have worked together a lot mm-hmm. in the past. And I think one of the reasons that works out so well is, is both because I trust your capabilities, but also because I know what your client focus is. Mm-hmm. And how important it is that that you that that you that you drive for success. How single-minded you are in driving the client's success, and how willing you are to subsume your personal ego to achievement of that goal. And that's a, I think an important characteristic for anybody who's going to succeed in a collaborative environment. Mm-hmm. You got to you you got to be able to work together. You got to know kind of. What are the limits of what you can, ought to be doing and shouldn't be doing in part because mm-hmm. that helps the, the enterprise be more cost effective? Um, but I think it's, it, it's also critical to being able to look at problems in a similar way. The, the benefit of these multidisciplinary teams is that you get different insight from different perspectives, yes. which I think is critical to the process. But it works best if people are thinking about uh, the end goal the same way. So service orientation, uh, people who have experience in the area, I think, are in the area being transition planning and, and collaborative endeavors because mm-hmm. it's an investment. Mm-hmm. You, you and I both know that yeah. you can spend a lot of time and a lot of resources trying to be good at doing collaborative activities and the, and the forming networks. And, and if you're a problem solver, you got to be able to know where to go. And know when it's not you. Yes. And that's a characteristic. I think business acumen is a characteristic. And then, uh, you know, the other thing we talked about is you got to have interpersonal skills and you have to have some sense of humor because things are going to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> relationships are going to go wrong. And you can't take yourself too seriously. And you, yeah. you can't have your ego get in the way yeah. 
of, of, of the ability to form a team atmosphere that actually succeeds. Yeah, it, there's no doubt about it. Those are all super um, great. That's a fantastic list. I'm definitely going to put in that in my show notes. So um, <laughs> we could keep going for a long time. There's a lot for us to talk about still, but we don't have time at this point. So we'll have to have you back on the show, Chris. And so what I'd like to share with our listeners and encourage our listeners to do is to uh, get the book, Poised for Exit, because Ballard Spar, Chris's firm, has a tool in the back of the book that will help you get the process of planning your future transition um, very well. Like it's a pl- it's a great place to start. There's a it's a really good comprehensive questionnaire, and it's going to you know kind of give you a jump start, if you will. So, Chris, I like to always end the show with asking our guest to share a couple of action items, and I'd like to ask you the same. All right. Well, you kind of stole my thunder in terms of what the first one is, Okay, which is... It's okay to repeat it. Self-assess. <laughs> self-assess your business mm-hmm. readiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that and that 20 questions, legal considerations checklist mm-hmm. is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then there is a, a website that you and I both worked on, www.businesstransitions.org. Yes. That's, a, that's another resource for for kind of getting that foundational knowledge. It's, you know, it won't take you too deep into anything, but it'll help you understand some of the processes, the transition mm-hmm. planning process in general, um, and a little bit about the transition, the transactions, the ultimate transactions, which to your point, uh, are going to, they're going to have similar characteristics, whether it's sale to a third party or intergenerational transfer or, or ESOP. It doesn't really matter what the transaction is that the whole transition planning process is going to have very similar characteristics. So mm-hmm. one is self-assess and educate yourself um, in kind of a, a a low risk, you know, do it by yourself kind of basis that, because it stimulates thinking. Mm-hmm. And the second is to analyze your transition planning from an investment perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is true whenever you're using outsized, outsourced resources to help you with a with a business problem, but but I think people tend to look at investments in people who in, in firms that can help them build value in their business as costs. I mean, there's not that connection really between why they're using people. I mean, they're thinking of lawyers as doing contracts; they're not thinking of lawyers as being involved in their business, but they are. Mm, and ultimately, definitely. the question is. And the biggest problem is trying to figure out how do you measure ROI? You know, how are, are you being able to tie the in, the investments in people that will make your business more valuable with an end result? In transition planning, it's a little easier because you have a more limited time frame. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it becomes more easy to see that that as you – that, that these things are not truly expenses in the sense that they're building value, they're giving return, and and you can see a connection between those efforts and those expenditures of resources and the ultimate result when it comes time to sell or transition the business. Definitely. But that's but that's the second thing. Think of it as an mm-hmm. investment decision, just as you would hiring new people or mm-hmm. buying a piece of capital equipment. Yeah, yeah. The the investment side of it is huge. And I agree with you 100% because 
you know, you can try to save a few dollars, but then you end up losing a lot because you didn't get the right advice or enough advice. And the list could go on and on with that conversation. So thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate it. Um, Chris, what's the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you? Well, you can contact me at work at 612-371-3919 or at cuneoc, C-U-N-E-O-C, at ballardspar.com. Perfect. Or you can pick up information on Chris and myself at businesstransitions.org, where we formed a collaborative team and we've got some really good content out there. Thanks, Chris, for joining us today. It was great, um, great advice, great tips. Uh, well, you know, we could keep going. I really appreciate your being here today. Thanks to our listeners as well for being here. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts. Share it with your business owner, clients, and colleagues, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We really appreciate your support. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, and please join us again next time.